Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in and uh, being a part of this podcast. We appreciate you guys and your support, your encouragement, your prayers for this ministry, as well as all those who are on the front lines and uh, trying to do uh, the work God has called them to do, trying to fight the good fight of faith. And a very important show today. We're blessed to have uh, former transgender Laura Perry with us. And uh, I'm going to actually pray with her. Um, or for her, as I open up the program, as we usually do in prayer. Um, Father in heaven, thank you so much for just giving us uh, so much to talk about and so much to deal with that uh, you know we can only do it by faith as Christians. It's so easy to get overwhelmed by what's happening in our culture and our society and even what has seeped into our churches. Father, please give us discernment, wisdom, and increase our faith, Lord, for the days ahead. And I know you have us here. You created us in your image. You have a purpose for us. And you have us here for such a time as this. And we thank you for your sovereignty. We trust in you. And we thank you for your faithfulness. Uh, we lift up Laura to you, God, and we pray that you'd protect her in Jesus' name. Uh, we ask that you would continue to reveal your truth to her about who she is in Christ, and continue to strengthen her and give her wisdom on how to use her time and how to speak the truth in love and share her testimony and use her, Lord, to wake up people who have not been paying attention to the darkness that has crept into our culture and our churches. Thank you for her. Uh, bless her ministry. And we thank you for this time, this hour, that we can talk about these things that really matter in terms of eternity and in terms of people buying lies instead of the truth. Lord, well, we thank you again in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God forewarned us in the Bible. Uh, we're now seeing Romans 1 <laughs> and 2 Timothy 3 being played out in America and the world today. Evil is being called good. Uh, good is evil. Many are falling for deception and delusions. The reprobate mind contrasts the mind of Christ, and there is a war on truth and the truth of Christ and his creation. One of those battles heating up in our culture is over sex and gender roles. Today's guest writes, God has peeled away the layers of the proverbial onion. He has helped me understand the causes and has healed me and brought forgiveness and wholeness to my heart. He has revealed his heart for women and how wonderful his creation of the woman is, and how beautiful it is. For the first time in my life, I not only love being a woman, but can truly see what a girl I was all along. Today's guest, Laura Perry, is an author, speaker, former transgender, hoping to encourage others to avoid believing the same lies and falling for the deception, making the same mistakes that she made, and in her painful past and transition, Laura admits she created a God in her own image. Well, Laura Perry, we thank you so much for taking the time with us today on Stand Up For The Truth. Welcome back. Thank you so much for having me back. And we talked to you about a year ago or maybe less than that, but uh, we definitely uh, heard your story. We will put that was very detailed. And I'm sure at that time, I'm sure you're continuing to mature in Christ and um, your emotions come and go when it comes to sharing your story, and you were very detailed. So we'll put that podcast into today's blog post at StandUpForTheTruth.com so we don't need to go over everything and all the details. But we need to encourage people to understand how you, uh, growing up in, uh, you know, I don't want to say a Christian home because that's it gives the idea that uh, the house is all Christian. No, you, you had Christian parents. You did attend church when you were a girl, and— um, yet you started doubting your sexuality, and, and uh, you were definitely making decisions that were not according to the faith that you p- 
professed to believe at that time. For Christian parents that are listening right now, Laura, would you please share a little bit about your background, your growing up, and how that thought process began in your life that took you down this wrong path? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when I was a... um when I first went into this lifestyle, I didn't see anything that had happened in childhood. So as I share these things, because a lot of people will dismiss it and say, but I've always felt that way. But that's what I said, too. <laughs> you know, and I think a lot of transgenders, by the time that they really start embracing this, they don't see these lies that they believed throughout childhood. But I had, um, very early in life, um, I was disconnected from my mom and um, just had kind of a rough relationship with her. I don't blame her one bit. I think um, she had lost two boys between my brother and I. I think Mm. she was still grieving that. Um, On top of that, she was caught in this very religious, legalistic kind of um, religion that I had grown up under where she was trying to please God so hard in her own flesh and just killing herself, trying to do everything at the church. And so... um, well, my dad was spending a lot of time with me and really playing with me and, and really loving on me. My mom just was tired a lot and just wanted me to go away, just leave me alone. Mm. <laughs> just told I was annoying a lot. And so just very disconnected from my mom. And I, um, But she was very close to my brother. And so there was a jealousy of my brother at a very early age, wanting to be my brother. Um, and then I began, um, the more that I acted like boys, because I was trying to act more like my brother, the more that girls began to reject me. And I began to hear girls saying that, you know, I wasn't um, I wasn't like them or, you know, just feeling totally different from the other girls. And I didn't really understand it was because I was acting that way. I thought, well, maybe it's because I'm not a girl, you know. And um, I, I knew enough that I was different from boys. I had been molested by another boy when I was eight. Um, so I, I knew that there was a biological difference between boys and girls, but I didn't feel like I was a girl. And so this led to a lot of confusion, and because of the molestation, a lot of um, uh, just can um, really became very sexualized. And I began messing around with my own friends, and um, really living a double life. I was hiding these deep, dark secrets that my family didn't know about. Uh, by the time I was 14, I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome, and I just really began to hate my female body. I was in constant pain and really began to reject the, f- the female identity entirely. Um, by the time I was in high school, I told God I would never serve him again, just blame God for wow. everything that was happening. Because people used to tell me, you know, um, God made me a girl, and he didn't make any mistakes. And I thought, well, if God made me this way, then he's just cruel. Mm. So I was really angry, and I said, I will never serve you again. Wow. Just went off the deep end spiritually, got into Satanism, never officially, like I was never part of a satanic church or anything. Um, but that's where I was headed. It, looking back, it's a miracle I didn't end up in a cult um, because I was so angry at God. Uh, throughout college, became deeply involved in pornography and um, like just hooking up with random guys all over the state. It's a miracle I wasn't killed or something. You know, I just I was meeting these guys online, and finally, by the time I was 25, I just I couldn't stand it anymore, and I was fantasizing more and more about wanting to be a man, and um, just was in and out of these horrible relationships. And I finally thought, the reason that I'm never happy, the reason I'm never finding satisfaction, is because I was supposed to be the man. And if I was the man, um, then I would show these men, you know, how to treat a woman. Because wow. <laughs> I was just treated like trash all the time. Mm. And I really, but but as soon as I began to embrace that, and I looked up and I found a support group in my area, and they were like, you know, um, after five minutes of meeting me, they are like, oh, you're definitely transgender, you know, and, they said, don't worry about it. In a year or so of taking hormones, no one's ever going to know you were a girl. You know, and that's what I'd wanted to hear all my life. Wow, and, what a lie. Yeah, absolutely. And as I embraced that, it really, like, um, looking back, I really began to believe it's who I was. Not just something I wanted, but, like, this is who I was. And so I, I really believed that all I needed to do was make the body in alignment um, with what I felt as a man, and I would just somehow become a man one day. And I didn't think about all the logistics of it. So I started taking the hormones, and then I eventually started um, uh, growing facial hair. My voice began to get lower, it was lower than it is um, even now, and which is a miracle. They say that's irreversible, but the Lord has been redeeming that. <laughs> um, and I'm so grateful. But um, and then in 2009, I um, I had been wearing these chest binders, and I didn't know like how 
um, horribly um, damaging these are to your body. Mm. And uh, they can cause cracked ribs. They can Ooh. pop lungs. I was having just major back problems. So I, I went and I had a um, double mastectomy. And um, so it, that made me legally male. I thought I was going to find total freedom and happiness. And I'll never forget, I came back to work and my boss, um, she got very angry with me. She was a lesbian. She was very pro-LGBT. She was all for this, thought this was great. But about four weeks later, she said, look, I don't know what's happened to you, but you're not working as hard. You're depressed. You're unmotivated. You're moping around. She said, I don't know what's happened, but I want the old Jake back. You know, Jake mm-hmm. was the name I was going by. And so um, I, I was really angry with her, and I kind of blew her off. But I went home that night, and I thought, what is she seeing in me that I'm not seeing in myself? And the truth was, I finally had to admit that my surgery hadn't made me a man. Mm. And I was really depressed. And I thought, well, um, you know, another few months of hormones and getting used to this, then it will be real. But it didn't. And so then I thought, well, it's because I still have all these female hormones in these organs. You know, once I get rid of all that, then it would be real. So I had all the female organs removed. And then it still didn't fix it. And I thought, well, you know... Once I finally had the final surgery, then it will be. And I was so angry when I started looking up the surgeries, because I had just assumed I would do that one day to have the general reassignment. And I started looking at how fake they are, how horrific the surgeries are. I mean, people don't understand. If they have kids that are struggling with this, they don't understand how horrible this transition no. process is, no, they how don't. it names the body, how these surgeries are never real. They And they said on top of that, not only would it not be real, um, and they're just um, grotesque. But on top of that, it wouldn't work very well. They, um, they're, um, you would never have any real sexual feeling physically, um, hmm. you know, without getting graphic. These, uh, it would be something no one would ever want. And uh, on top of that, there's one girl that I've heard of. There, many people have had complications. One that I've heard of had 31 corrective surgeries. Wow. And so, I mean, these are just something no one wants to do. And I was, and on top of that, in, it would have cost me about a hundred thousand dollars. There was no way I had that kind of money. Okay, now let me pause right there. Now they're trying to get some of these transition, quote unquote, um, surgeries covered by uh, Medicaid or by yeah. people's health insurance. What are your, what's your take on that? I think I know what it is, but yeah. Isn't that dangerous? So cr- yes, absolutely. I'm so grateful knowing all of that, knowing that I would never have any kind of sexual feeling again, um, knowing that it would absolutely destroy me physically, knowing all the risks. I was so convinced I was a man. I wanted it so badly that if I'd had the money or if insurance would have covered it, I still would have done it. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just that desperate. And um, I'm so thankful. There were, God, um, there were three times in my life during this whole process that God um, allowed me to just be outside the the insurance coverage window. There was one job I had where they had just stopped covering it. They had changed insurances. And then another job I had, they covered it um, a few months after I left. And then finally the third time was after God was already kind of drawing me out. I hadn't finally left it, but I knew that I could not live that way. And so I'm so thankful that, that it wasn't covered back then. Because I would have, uh, I would have completely destroyed my body, mm-hmm. you know. Wow. And um, we well, did so a lot of damage, yeah. you know, as you said, but not completely destroyed. But um, I want to go back to something that uh, you alluded to when you were growing up, and I, I don't want to go back too far and have it. You know, we're not rewinding here, but there's something I really want you to speak to um, parents of Christian children. You attended church, and you were faking it. You said yourself yeah. you were, it wasn't in your heart, but you were just going along. No one knew. Evidently, your your parents or your close friends didn't know you were going through this. At church, yeah. did you have any kind of support? This is what Christians want to know. Did you attend youth group? Did you have—were you doing the things like a typical kid growing up with uh, parents in a Baptist or a Protestant or a non-denominational church might do on a Wednesday night or a Sunday night or whatever— uh, I think parents want to know that because I we know what you were struggling with now that you're explaining what was in your mind and, and the direction you thought you wanted to go. But uh, what about people around you while you were growing up? Yeah, I mean, I, we were at church every time the door was open. We were doing wow. all the activities and involved in all the programs. And, um, you know, I was just one of the kids in the youth group. And, 
In fact, when I was at um, at youth camp one summer when I was 13, this was really before I really rebelled against the Lord, I, I dedicated my life to be in missions. And I knew that God had called me to be a missionary. Wow. And, uh, you know, but I think Satan really just began to come after me. <laughs> and, um, but youth group was very difficult when I was growing up because through a number of circumstances, we didn't have very good youth leadership. We'd been through several youth ministers that had had problems. And by the time that I was in high school, uh, most of us were out partying on the weekends. We were living all these secret lives, and we were a very, very broken youth group. Christian kids. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think I think a lot of parents need to hear that, um, because what we've learned over the last several decades is a lot of youth groups at many churches, they're not—it's not accountability, it's not discipleship. They're basically trying to entertain the kids. Yes. And they're, were they teaching the Bible, or were they just—was it getting together for a youth group and just participating in fun activities, or was there a balance? There was a little Bible teaching, um, but I don't a remember little. a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean— you know, there was at least a little bit, but most of it um, was fun things. You know, I remember all these games we would play and all this, and taking trips and, um, you know, a lot of uh, lots of food, a lot of fun, you know, and then some, a little bit of worship music. I remember singing these songs, and we'd sing them every week, and I'm like, I look back, and I'm like, I didn't even understand the words. We were so lost. Mm. And out of that youth group, out of my, at least my age class, I only know of one other one that is really serving the Lord. The rest of them are so far from the Lord. Mm. And I would guess that too many youth groups today might resemble the one that you grew up in. Mm. Um, I know that that might sound harsh, but we have to wake up to the reality of the fact that a lot of young people today, because of the public schools, let alone whatever family um, dysfunction kids might be growing up in, Public schools, the kids are doubting their Christian faith or whatever they're yeah. taught by their parents or whatever they're taught in church. They're doubt, starting to doubt in middle school. These are new surveys now. This is new information in the last five years or so. They're starting to doubt. They begin to doubt because of what they're being fed at school. And then as they go through middle school, they're into high school now. They have almost lost their faith, if not walked away in high school, years ago it was, oh, after one year in college, Christian kids will fall away from the faith. But that's not the case anymore. So my point here is, and then we've got to take a break, but my point is our youth groups, our youth pastors must be better at discipling these kids. There has to be straight talk. There has to be accountability. And that brings me uh, to a quote in your book, Transgender to Transformed. Uh, we're going to talk about that in the next segment. But there's a quote by Everett Piper, Dr. Everett Piper, who wrote the foreword for your book. And before we take a break, I want to share this quote, and we'll talk about it when we come back. He said, Anything short of a unified stand for the essentials of our faith, for orthodoxy, will doom any Christian counselor, college, church, parishioner, or spokesman to the ash heap of history. Compromise will be our demise. We will be thrown out and trampled underfoot by a culture that laughs at our irrelevance. We are supposed to preserve culture, not take part in its rot. We are supposed to confront sin, not capitulate to it. That's Dr. Everett Piper. Um, when we come back with Laura Perry, her book, Transgender to Transformed, we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll get through uh, a lot of it to a couple of the final chapter is one of them called Resurrection. That's when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Proverbs 1, 29 and 31 says, Since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of of their schemes. Proverbs 1, 29 through 31. We have with us today Laura Perry, former transgender. Her book, we'll put it the link in the podcast post at standupforthetruth.com. It's called Transgender 
to transform. Before we jump into the good parts of the book, I love so many scriptures that you cite that ministered to you during this process, Laura, and we'll get to that. But you wrote an article that really goes along with with your story, your background, and how you are seeing clearly what's happening in America with the moral relativism and, and the attacks on uh, gender and sexuality, confusing young people. There's an article you wrote called Feminist Threatened by Transgender Activists, and uh, it's from New York Post. you referring to this uh, feminist professor by the name of Selena Todd. Uh, transgenders threatened her to the point she now has to have bodyguards when she goes and speaks. Why? Because she dared say that she could not support transgender rights because they were in danger of harming the rights of women. I would love for you to just tell us a little bit more of your article, and we'll share that as well later on. Yeah, I I just found it so ironic uh, that the people that are really standing up for um, against the transgender rights are the are the feminists, <laughs> and these two groups are clashing. And it really what I was discussing in the article is that you know we have this um, not we as Christians but in the world there's this utopian ideal um, of having this absolutely free world without God, um, but without God's rules there is no freedom. You know, because we're going to be constantly, our selfish ambition is always going to infringe on the rights of others. And uh, so she, in fact, she was originally for transgender rights because that's the the liberal free thing to do. Right. You know, and it seems very loving until she realized it was infringing on her own rights and the rights of what she stands for. And they have absolutely come after her. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's received all kinds of death threats and, you know, and now she's got to have these bodyguards. Um, Death threats? Wait a minute. I thought they were the party of tolerance. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, um, yeah, the the party of tolerance and love until you disagree with them. (laughs) You know, and many former transgenders. Now, I think God has shielded me from a lot um, through this process. And um, but there are many former LGBT that have received all kinds of threats that face a lot of backlash. Yeah, they're they're the party of love and tolerance as long as you agree and affirm and bless everything they're doing. You, uh, you know? one of the things you said in the article, what will happen to this country if sex is determined legally to be just a construct of one's own mind, and that's mm-hmm. kind of the direction some of this, even some of the legal battles are heading. Yes, yeah, there there is a case of um, her, uh, well, his. That I get confused because the articles keep referring to this person as her, but this is a man living as a woman right. named. He calls himself. Uh, Amy Stevens, and he is a transgender woman, and um, he was fired from a funeral home by the funeral director um, because he wanted to dress as a woman. You know, and the sad thing is, I looked up a picture the other day, and you would have to see this picture to really understand, but they showed an earlier picture of him and his wife married, and they look about the same age, and then however many years later this is, it's probably been maybe 20 years or so, but since he started the hormones, he looks much older than her now. Hmm. And it, it was really interesting to me. It's like it's really aged him. And I think people just don't understand the destruction that these hormones really do to the body. Um, and these things, you know, we want so badly um, to, for these people to, to feel good and, oh, whatever makes them happy. And this is not what's going to make them happy. It's not what's going to bring them freedom. It's not what's going to be good for them. Um, Anyway, that was a bit of an aside, but um, on this case, um, he's claiming title um, under Title Seven or Title Nine, mm-hmm. rather, that was to protect women. Um, he's claiming that, but the so the courts are trying to decide um, how is sex really defined because he's claiming that he's being discriminated on the basis of sex mm-hmm. because he's not allowed to dress as a woman, but the reality is he's not a woman. Right. So, right. So legally, the court should dismiss this case, but they are likely, I think, unfortunately, going to um, side with him, saying that he's been discriminated wow. against as a woman. And you this, know, I don't know the outcome yet, but that is my my fear. This is what we're seeing today, and and the Bible refers to it as a strong delusion. Mm-hmm. There are many delusions. Uh, we are going to be falling for, and this seems to be one that it's uh, starting to just be rampant in our country. You mentioned a couple other 
cases briefly, um, a man, uh, a.k.a. a transgender woman, who assaulted a teen boy in uh, a Walmart. And then you mentioned yep. the assault of a five-year-old in, in a school bathroom down in Florida. And then in Indiana at a Walmart, um, reports of sexual harassment. But target locations across the country, we know they changed their bathroom policy. I think it's going on three maybe three or four years, at least three years now, and they've had case after case, but yet they're not going back to common sense and normalcy. And I just want to share the end of your article before we talk about your book and how you were able to, with God's help, and he kept on reaching out to you and pulling you out of this. um, You say, as a former transgender myself, no amount of affirmation or body modification ever made me a man. So, while we want to be kind and compassionate, we cannot just roll over and allow the courts to trample on the rights of innocent bystanders who just want privacy in what should be private facilities reserved for those of the same sex. Laura, one more thing I want to ask you. Where do you think, this is speculation, of course, but more cases are coming out where um, high school girls are losing to biological males, in other words, boys claiming to be transgender athletes in in sports, many different sports, but particularly track. We've heard a couple stories. And young girls are not only losing the race in those cases, they are losing scholarship opportunities. I would love for you to just give us your insight where you think this is going to go. Yeah, I think that's the real tragedy. It, it's It's beyond just losing the race or, you know, because some people are kind of telling these girls to just get over it. Well, the reality is if they're losing their scholarships, then we're, um, we're affecting the future workforce. Now, I think this could have profound implications. Um, not only that, these girls have worked hard their entire lives, you know, to have these um, sports and to do well, and Title IX was intended to protect them, and they are now flipping Title IX to now protect transgenders. And um, it's, it's defeating the whole purpose of it to begin with. And so, and this goes back to my original point that um, we can't, outside of God's laws, we can't have this utopian society of complete autonomy, mm. because our our rights, um, if they're based on these selfish behaviors, are always going to infringe on the rights of others. That's right. Amen. Um, I want to go back. I lied. I said we were going to jump right into your book, Transgender to Transformed, <laughs> okay. again, talk about that. I want to get to the resurrection part toward the end of the book where God was just giving you Scripture and he was just pulling you out of that. But I want to talk about Elizabeth Warren because she's in the headlines. I mean, why mention politics? Because she might be our next president. I pray to God she's not, but she might be. So, Three articles, and I want to get your your take on this. Warren, provide she wants to provide transgender surgery to servicemen. She wants to empower providers to deem what is medically necessary. The next one, Warren plans, uh, she calls for male prisoners who identify as female to be placed in women's prisons. And the most recent article that just came out uh, this week, Warren attacks Christian schools with what she calls anti-LGBTQ policies. What are one of those policies? Making boys use the boys' room. Laura, go ahead. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> I uh, set you up. Start? I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, well, to start, actually, the prisons is interesting to me because um, I, I actually seriously thought about This was one of my, you know, I talk about in the book how what had promised to be freedom became my prison cell. I was so I was living in so much fear all the time um, of being found out, and then. But one of my major fears was, what if I was sent to prison? Um, would they put me in a women's prison? Wow. Well, that wasn't going to be very good. The women, you know, I don't think would have taken too kindly to me. But <laughs> if they had put me in a men's prison, I was in real trouble, and I knew that. And I, I was so terrified. Like even if I had been wrongly accused of something, you know, even if I wasn't committing crimes. And so um, I was very, very terrified of that. But, but think of the reality. Uh, we already know that men are that are not truly trans. Well, nobody's r- really transgender. That's another story. But, um, but the men that are claiming or really feel that way of being transgender is one thing. But there are men that are just claiming they're a woman and going into women's restrooms and locker or uh, changing rooms at Target. Well, imagine putting men in a prison and they find out 
that they can go into a women's prison if they claim to be women. How many of these men are going to claim to be women? They mm-hmm. put on a wig to go into a women's prison? I mean, this is insane. Wow, it is. And I can just imagine the, the rampant sexual assault, mm-hmm. I think, would just be through the roof. Yeah, um, the, of course. In prison, who's in there? Prisoners, people, thieves and, and liars and cheaters and rapists and people who have broken the law. And you're going to mix. Uh, it's just I don't know. I find that yeah. to be such a strong delusion there. That's a case for uh, moral relativism on steroids. But you wanted to yeah. mention something about puberty blockers and hormones in and, and South Dakota. One of the states, I think it may be the only one so far that passed a law against Uh, puberty blockers for minors. Would you like to share on that? Yes, and praise God, and be praying for that because it has passed the House, and I think now it has to go to the governor, I believe. Uh, I didn't look up their entire legal process, but um, so it's not law yet, but but it has passed the House. Mm -hmm. And um, South Dakota has been a bit of a proving ground for a lot of these issues um, because of the way they do their process. I think they said that, like, um, everything that is brought as a bill gets a public hearing. Anyway, so... um, they have passed this bill in the House saying that um, denying the access to puberty blockers. Um, they're trying similar legislation in Missouri, which I'm actually going to be able to, to go and testify at um, to, to ban um, any kind of hormone therapy or puberty blockers or surgeries for minors. Hmm. And this is so important because I yes. know what these kids are saying now. Yeah. They want to be this. They really feel this way. What these kids need is therapy and healing. There, every case I know of, there are things that happened in childhood. They may not have had this necessarily real traumatic childhood or necessarily extremely abusive. A lot of them are. Uh, sometimes it's as simple as not fitting in with their peers. Um, sometimes it's a case of bullying. There are all kinds of different things. Um, that, but what they need is um, to forgive others, um, to recognize where those lies came in. Um, these, these kids are not truly transgender. Uh, no. This whole thing is nonsensical. Um, and the puberty blockers, they are saying, this is such a lie from Satan, they are saying that these puberty blockers will simply delay puberty so these kids can think about it. The reality is it's sterilizing these kids, mm-hmm. for one, and that's Satan's ultimate goal. You know, this is the same as abortion sort of package different in the sense that he's trying to destroy human life. Yes. He's trying to stop them before they ever get pregnant. Um, in, in fact, the number one demographic among transgenders right now is 14- to 15-year-old girls. Right as they're beginning puberty, um, you know, and uh, but these puberty blockers have severe side effects. And one thing too that a lot of people don't realize, they are um, stopping normal development to such a degree that there's this boy um, that was real famous named Jazz Jennings that had a show on TV. Yes. I don't know his real name, so I, I, I wouldn't call him Jazz, but um, I don't since I don't know his real name. Um, but when he went to have his gender confirmation surgery, as they call it, um, because he had been on puberty blockers for years, he didn't have a, enough material for them to use. He was, I think, 17 at the time, mm-hmm. and he was, um, he, his genitalia was childlike um, from a, as a prepubescent boy. Right. And so that's what these, these puberty blockers, so if they decide um, that, you know, one day when they're in their 20s or whatever, they decide, oh, you know what, I really do feel like a... a a man now, and, and um, I'm secure in, in who I am. If they go off these puberty blockers, they are never going to develop normally. That's right, and that science proves that too. It uh, it just it just renders most people sterile. Um, yeah. But of course, the media doesn't want to talk about that. Hollywood won't mention that. Um, is there anything you'd like to point out about Hollywood? And they seem to be pushing this as such a good thing with all the drag queen. Shows. I'm not even talking about the public libraries and the drag queen story hours, which is amazing. Uh, parents are allowing this in front of their kids. But in Hollywood, they've subtly been pushing this in certain movies and now TV shows for at least a decade or so. What are your observations where Hollywood is concerned? Yeah, it's, um, it's amazing how they are pushing this so much in the media. In fact, from my research, um, many, many, many of the young kids now um, that are claiming to be transgender, many of them will tell you they have been influenced by social media mm-hmm. or by Hollywood. Yep. Um, it's being normalized um, all over the place, everywhere they look. And this looks like such a wonderful thing, and they're having, 
like if these kids imagine a kid that is being bullied um and made made to feel like they don't fit in with the kids of their own sex um and then they start going on social media or something and they start seeing these kids talk about you know oh i felt this way but now i've i've become transgender and i don't have to deal with this and i don't have to deal with puberty and i mean what kid likes puberty what kid doesn't feel awkward nobody at yeah. that age in life <laughs> you know this dawned on me the other day i'm like everybody feels abnormal at that age <laughs> and so <laughs> this is all just nonsense but back to the drag queen story hour and i have this video i know it's on my uh, personal page if um and i'll make sure it's on my I have a, a public page that's um, at Laura Perry OK for Oklahoma um, on um, on Facebook, and I'll make sure this video is up there. But there is a video that I found of a drag queen. This was uh, active, activist mommy shared this, if anybody's familiar with her. Yep, we had her on a m- last month. Oh, awesome. I love her. Yeah, she, she shared this video of a drag queen sharing with parents and saying, stop sending your kids to these drag queen shows. I know. What are you thinking? <laughs> yeah, and he's like, the, um, he said, this life is nothing but but drugs and sex, and, you know, all, he said, this is not a place for children. And um, so parents really need to be aware and um, stop listening to the lies of the media. Um, this is not good for children. And, uh, you know, it's it's really sad what is happening to these young children, and they're being influenced in, in fact, back to Jazz Jennings for just a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I read a quote by him when he was two years old. Two years old. No kid understands a boy or girl at that age. This had to have been fed to him. Yep. But he said that um, he went and asked his mom when the magic fairy was going to come in with, or when the good fairy was going to come with a magic wand and turn his penis into a vagina. Magic wand. And I'm wand. like, what? child at two years old has any clue what that means somebody told him that exactly I don't know if it was an older sibling he had four three older siblings i think um but and now he has been on this road since he was that they started transitioning him very young i don't remember how young they started yeah. puberty blockers at 10 and, and somebody said this to him yes and that's the problem parents are part of the problem um yeah. Uh, Laura, thank you for referring to Jazz Jennings as a he, because that's who God made him. Uh, Most people who have heard that name in the last several years go, what do you mean? She's Jazz Jennings. It's her. No, um, it is he. Jazz Jennings is a him. Now, we're going to run into some problems eventually uh, via hate speech or laws that will be put on the books in America, or maybe states, that you will be fined if you do not use the proper pronoun. If you call, for example, Jazz Jennings, if we say he did this and he is doing that, well, um, you can change your name. And that's why when it came to, to Bruce Jenner changing his name to Caitlin, I would say, yeah, I'll, anybody that cha- legally changes their name, call them by whatever name they want to be called by. That's respect. But to say that Caitlin is a woman that's a step out of bounds, and, and anyway, we can go on down that road another time. Right. But before we get, um, I wanted to really talk about an, a compelling quote in your book um, where you said you, you were still Jake and God reached you, finally got a hold of you, shook you up and brought so many things into your life and got through to you. You said, I really believed at that time I could be a man of God. God was patient and merciful with me, but he didn't leave me there. So when we come back after the break, you are going to explain, Laura Perry, how your thought process when you came back to Christ or maybe came to Christ, giving your life to him for the first time, you wanted to be a man of God because you were living as Jake, a transgender. We'll get your story and the details on that transformation when we come back. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. We're speaking with Laura Perry. Transgender to Transformed is the book. And we are jumping to Chapter 9 because we interviewed you last year, and we have a lot of your story in the the first half of the book and a lot of detail that we will Uh, Put that interview in today's post at StandUpForTheTruth.com. But it says, in the summer of 2014, nearly seven years after I had begun my transition, God began to intervene in a way I didn't see coming. And we mentioned right before break, Laura, that uh, you thought you were going to serve 
be a man of God, serve God as as Jake. Right. Tell us about that season in your life and, and just go wherever the Lord leads you. Yeah, I, I had just radically come to Christ, and um, without getting into too much detail, uh, after so many years of being angry with my mother, my mother was the one that ended up leading me to Christ. And I just want to encourage parents, too, that are maybe your kid has cut off communication. Um, the Lord has put a lot of other things in my life. He didn't have to use my mother. Um, it, the burden was not on her, but he did in his own grace and mercy. And it's a beautiful story. Um, but I had just been radically transformed, and I was so on fire for the Lord. And I began sharing my faith and um, with um, my friends. And uh, But I thought I could be a man of God, and I was so excited about this. And um, But the Lord began to convict me, but it was like, well, I don't know what to do about it. Okay, I recognize that this was not God's will for me. Um, but I'm kind of stuck this way, God, so I would just go on, and I would try to ignore it. Um, but I had been listening to, and this is amazing, I know people were praying for me. God had put things in place for so long to set all this up. For six years, I had been listening to this radio program in Tulsa, and um, he started having a guest on named Dr. Everett Piper that you referred to earlier, which wrote the foreword in my book. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was I was a big fan of the show. He was on for like 20 minutes every Friday, but I looked forward to it all week. I just loved hearing him speak. And so one day he starts talking about transgenders, and I didn't want to hear it at first. But when I really started to listen to him, I was amazed that what he was saying wasn't hateful. What he said was, we are um, not just made up of our instincts, our feelings, and our desires. We are made in the image of God, and we can um, choose our behavior despite how we feel. And that was the truth that ultimately set me free. Mm. But it took several months because I didn't know what to do about it. And so I began to cry out to the Lord, and I said, um, God, what am I supposed to do? Just show up in a dress at work and say, just kidding, I'm really a girl. I said, I have lived, I've had this job for four years where I'm only known as male. Nobody even knew I was transgender. Right. I was extremely scared. And But the Lord really began to open my eyes after that, and he began to um, show me. Well, actually, one night... I was, uh, I'd thrown myself on the floor, and I was just crying out to God. And I, I said, God, I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I knew I was real, really still living for self in a lot of ways. Um, I knew that Christ had changed me, but I was still um, sort of had one foot in the world. And uh, I said, what do I need to do? And the Lord instead asked me a question. And he said, if you stood before me tonight, what name would I call? I was like, whoa. Like, wait a minute, what do you mean? I didn't know this mattered. And he said, he reminded me of John chapter 1 where it says, Jesus Christ himself is the creator. He said, you cannot claim to love me and yet reject my creation. Wow. And there was a moment there where I thought I was being condemned, and it was like, well, why am I even trying? Why am I bothering me? You know, God doesn't accept me this way. But in the most loving voice I've ever heard in all my life, He whispered to me, and he said, let me tell you who you are. And I really, it was so freeing at that moment. I know, you know, so many people want to find their own identity and create themselves. And I realized there was so much freedom in realizing that my creator had already defined me, and he knew who I was. And no matter what I'd done to my body, no matter how far I'd run, no matter how much darkness I had covered myself in, he could still see me, and he still knew who I was. And it really began just to liberate me. Um, but I just began to cry out to God because I didn't know how to fix this. And so I just, night after night, I began to beg the Lord with all my life, heart just to take my life. I said, God, just bring me to heaven because I can't fix this. Hmm. And I felt like I was in this deep, dark pit I couldn't get out of. And he reminded me of Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 26, where it says, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will deny, or for whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his own soul? Or what shall he give in exchange for his soul? Mm. And I knew that if I held on to this, well, I thought about if I hold on to this because I'm scared, because I want this so badly, because I can't picture myself as a girl. Um, what if I lose it all? You know, what are the eternal consequences? Um, will I go to hell? You know, I was, I didn't know what God would do with me. But I had a clear vision of Jesus Christ getting down on one knee. He reached his hand down into the pit, and he said, Do you trust me? Wow. And I remember he was asking me to leave everything, and I knew it. And wow. I said, Okay. 
and I just walked away from everything. And I literally just left it all behind. I left my partner, my job, everything, moved home with mom and dad with nothing mm. and gave away all my possessions. And That's radical. Remember, yeah, it was. And I honestly, the first few days were horrible. I grieved and I grieved and I cried. There was so much pain and I couldn't face being a girl. And I just sobbed and wept. But a few days later, I showed up at my mom's Bible study that she had been teaching for several years. These women had prayed and prayed for me. They mm. loved me, wow. and they surrounded me with so much love. And I walked in that room, and there was so much joy. And these women had raised over $1,600 to buy me a new wardrobe. And they just surrounded me with the love I had been looking for all my life from women. Mm. And it was like the transgender lie just broke. I knew I was not meant to be a man. And it still took several years of healing. Um, I still wasn't, I didn't like the idea of being a woman. I understood at that moment I was not a man. Um, But it still took a lot of healing for the next three years for God really to help me embrace being a woman. Now, I love being feminine. It's funny now, people are really shocked when I tell them I was transgender, and they're like, but she's so feminine. I know. I'm like, this is who I am. And those layers have just been peeled off. And now I'm actually, I wanted to mention, I'm now actually working for First Stone Ministries. Yes. It's a ministry here in Oklahoma City. It's an amazing ministry. If you're not in this area, um, we have a lot of resources online. Look us up at firststone.org. Um, but we offer, uh, here, if you're here locally, we offer uh, counseling. We offer pastoral care, um, uh, support groups. We have a parent support group even. Um, we will, um, and it's not, um, there are parent support groups out if you just look on Google. There are parent support groups that just tell you to affirm and bless all this, and you just need to get on board with this. No, this is a parent support group that walk parents through this biblically mm-hmm. and encourage them to stand strong. Thank you, Laura. To, uh, to love their children without compromise. So this is an amazing ministry, so I wanted to make sure I mentioned that. Absolutely. Um, but the Lord has totally set me free. I have no desire to go back to that after several years of healing, and um, I just... I just want this so badly for others that are that are struggling with this because the one thing I learned, uh, well, among, among many things, but the one thing I want to get across, this was never real. You cannot change your biology. Um, please check out my book, but also if you want another good book on this, Walt Heyer has a book called Trans Life Survivors. Yes. Check out this book. He chronicles uh, about 30 um, different people who went through this process, and they all say the same thing. It was never real. This is all fake, and it's all a lie from Satan. And one of the quotes that I wrote down from last segment, you said, what promised me freedom became my prison. And there's a lot of promises that the media, Hollywood, um, some even government say will make you happy or, or give you freedom, but that's such a lie. It will just take you into bondage and become, as you say, your prison. But you say in uh, chapter 9 of your book, Christ's call was not an easy one. He didn't call us to a life of luxury and ease and give us permission to live as we please. He calls us to die to ourselves and to our sin and to walk a new life. And then I want to share Colossians 3, where uh, you have this in your book, too. If we, if then, you were raised with Christ. Seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And it goes on to say, Therefore put to death your members that which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. And that last one, Laura Perry, idolatry, when we want to make a god in our own image, they're doing that with this idea of changing who they are, changing their sex. Transgenderism, it is a lie, and it is ultimately idolatry, isn't it? Yes. In fact, Dr. Piper, one of my favorite quotes of his, he he talks about how people love the God they see in the mirror rather than the God they see in the Bible. Ooh, that that's a yeah. good one. Is, uh, is that in your is that in your book? Uh, no, that uh, good I don't quote. Think so. Good but, quote. Yeah, that's, that's from Dr. Piper. The book is Transgender to Transformed: A Story of Transition That'll Truly Set You Free. Laura Perry and I really encourage you guys, parents, get a hold of this because even if you don't have a son or daughter or a family member that's going through this struggle, you probably do know someone who is, 
And you would be surprised at someone even in your church or the youth group that is doubting who they are in Christ, doubting who God made them, male or female. So youth pastors need to know how to respond to this. We as Christians need to know how to have these conversations because people have, have fallen for deception in their living lies. Uh, Laura, uh, we'll, we'll have to do this again. It's always such a blessing, and I think your story is so important to inform and to encourage Christians, and particularly Christian parents. So thank you so much. Laura Perry, First Stone Ministries. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you, too. Thanks. And we will uh, put all these articles that we talked about in today's podcast post, as well as a link to her book. Um, It's really a good book, very detailed, Transgender to Transform. When we come back, we're going to talk about what's happening next week on Stand Up for the Truth. Stand Up for the Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications, Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up for the Truth. There are so many articles we didn't get to, but uh, we've got the heart of Laura Perry's um, story out there, her testimony, and so important what she shared. Uh, Parents, use this podcast as a resource. Please share it on social media. One of the articles by Peter Heck, um, The Coming Collision, of feminism and transgenderism, which Laura talked about, and we're seeing it now. Another article, unfortunately, another presidential candidate, uh, Joe Biden, said, let's be clear, transgender equality is the civil rights issue of our time. There's no room for compromise when it comes to basic human rights. So that's the civil rights issue, transgender equality. So he's uh, playing that game. Anyway, we've got to be careful what's going on in our culture, and Romans 12, 2 tells us do not conform to the world's ways, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Next week, some exciting guests. Monday, we've got to do a news show. News and views, headlines, and what's happening in our culture and country and around the world. We've got to catch up on so many stories, and I'm sure we'll have to talk about the Super Bowl halftime. Um, Tuesday, Mary Danielson is back with us. We're talking about the social justice movement and liberal Christianity, including the emergent church. Where are they? Um... Let's see, uh, Julianne Appling is back with us next week, as well as Chris Quintana from California, pastor out there. We haven't had him on in several years, so a busy week next week, and then some brand new guests the following week, and just some exciting programs coming up. So thank you again. God bless you, and keep speaking the truth about things that matter.